Cuéntame qué harás después que estrenes su cuerpo Cuando muera tu traviesa curiosidad Cuando memorices todos sus recovecos Y decidas otra vez regresar Ya no estaré aquí en el mismo lugar Bienvenidos a Radio Menea, I'm Vero Valletti Flores And I'm Miriam Suela Perez, and we're two Latinx friends with wildly different music tastes. And each week we bring you music from the Latinx artists that we love, and this week we're doing a deep dive on the classic, the one and only Donde Están Los Ladrones album by Shakira. So epic. But before we dive into the album, wanted to give a quick plug um, to ha ask you all to send us your listener picks. We're gearing up to do another listener picks episode in the coming weeks, and we want to hear from you. What are the songs by Latinx artists that you are jamming on right now? What are the throwbacks that you um, wish everybody remembered? What is the new music that you're super excited about? Send us your picks. We want to hear from you. Ideally, send it uh, via a voice memo to our email, rallymene at gmail.com, but an email also works. You could also hit us up on social, but really want to know what the song is and why you love it so we can feature you as the guest DJs on an upcoming episode. So, Vero, this was your idea to do a deep dive of this album. Why did you pick it? So, I think that I picked this album because Shakira, and in particular this album from Shakira, is... I just was really monumentally important, not just to me personally, uh, but also uh, to a lot of people, mm -hmm. right? A lot yeah. of people who um, who are of our generation and even since, right? I think that this was like a big, a big point for her as an artist right. and as as a star. So why don't we? listen to mm -hmm. the first song that we picked off of this album to mm -hmm. listen to uh, and then we can talk a little bit more about it mm -hmm. this song is called Si Te Va I mean, we kind of collaborated on most of the songs, but this was one yeah, that I yeah. pulled out. Um, I mean, I think one of the things I didn't realize about this album until like spending a lot of time with it now for this episode was how much it's like a breakup album in many ways. Like there's a lot of songs that are really like heartbreak songs and yeah, um, and this is definitely one of them, but it's more of the like angry sort of fuck you song. Um, if you're going to leave me, you know, fuck you if you leave. And, you know, how about she won't be waiting for him if he comes back and how it's not going to work out for him with ever, whoever he's going to. I think at one point he calls the other woman a bruja or she calls the other woman a bruja. <laughs> she definitely does. Yeah. Not in like the cute not in a way, good way that everybody no, means it now. Not in a good way. So I yeah. don't know if this is like if she got cheated on or what 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 inspired this. Um, because she's very much a poet, right? And like her songs are, are very much poetry, her lyrics in many ways. Yeah, yeah. And I think that part of what this album really uh made me realize was that like that Chakira was just like such a poet right and I think that's part of what's lost in her English language music is that she like sort of tries to be as poetic but it sounds corny in English a lot of times um but yeah. it's, it's like hard to translate right the way like the her lyricism right. in English but and, this is uh, yeah. she just like goes hard uh -huh. on on the insults in this one I know, you know like I know. she goes a hard yep. 
<laughs> yeah, this would have been good for like our Engano episode for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think the lyricism, I mean, I think English is harder to be lyri- lyrical in any way. I think there's just something about the language. Like I feel like Spanish, Interesting. Spanish has a poetic quality to it um, mm. that English doesn't have. But, you know, obviously I'm biased because of my relationship to the two languages. Yeah, I don't feel like I agree with that. Yeah. Necessarily personally, right? Like it's I I feel like I don't have the same relationship to both languages, right? Spanish is my first language, but I feel like I've read some really beautiful poetic language in English yeah, and Spanish. No, and I don't feel yeah. like one one strikes me as more than the other, yeah. but I think that it, if you are used to being poetic in Spanish, it's like the way that it's done is really different. And yeah. if you do it in English in the same way, it just sounds really corny. Yeah. Or at least when Shakira does it. Right. It does. Well, and what I read, like researching this album or researching Shakira is that, so, so one of the things about this album that is interesting is that Emilio Estefan was the executive producer on it. Yeah. And, yeah. It was supposed to be like one of her first crossovers, but she wasn't confident in doing English yet. So she... Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, I guess what I read was that actually Gloria was like really encouraging her after this album to do an album in English. And she waited until she learned English herself because she didn't feel comfortable singing in a language she didn't actually speak. And so that was like important to her. And I could see as a singer songwriter too, that you really want to like connect to the lyrics and feel genuine. And so having some grasp of the language to a deeper level would be important for that. But I think yeah. it's interesting because Emilio Estefan, who is Gloria Estefan, you know, the kind of famous Cuban American musician's husband he's been responsible for a lot of like the major or he's been connected to or involved in so many of the careers of like the major like latinx musicians who've made it big in the u.s he's like like, the crossover maker yeah yeah i mean he's he's really good at identifying talent and then helping people to be big in the u.s markets like ricky martin right mark anthony has all the connections to be able to do that yeah yeah i mean he's been in the music biz for so long um, Enrique Iglesias, Talia, like he's just been involved in so many of those, all of those people's careers and in big ways. So it's not surprising that he was involved with Shakira in this moment, you know, in her career. Yeah, totally. And I think that this song, Cita Vas specifically, is like, I think that what most of the songs in this album take us through, like all of the, the roller coaster of emotions mm-hmm. of a breakup yeah. or of like a relationship that's not in a good place, right? right? Like, right. This one is angry. There's some that are just sad. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how could I possibly go on without mm-hmm. you? And there's some that are just like, our love is, you know, everything. Mm-hmm. And us ending up together is completely right. inevitable. Right. And there's some that I are, know. you know, it's just like, this like all over the place. The homegirl was feeling all of her feelings. I know. She was. She was. It was all of it. I think I read on Wikipedia... There was something about who she was dating during this album or like some some theories about who she was talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. Osvaldo Rios, yeah. the Puerto Rican telenovela star. Yeah. That's what I see you have in the uh-huh. notes. <laughs> yep, exactly. And I was like, that's really interesting. And seeing a picture of him now, I was like, mm, okay, I don't know. Um, this was a long time ago and I think he had some plastic surgery. But but yeah, apparently that, that was somebody she was dating. Had like a very kind of tortured relationship with him and they... You know, whoever contributed to Wikipedia decided that that was <laughs> what was inf- influencing her. Yeah. We didn't start with the first song on this album, um, even though it's a song that we both like, because we brought it to the 1998 episode. We'll put a link in the show notes if people want to check out that. We did a whole episode about, you know, big songs that came out that year, and that was one of them, because this album came out in 98. Um, Ciego Sordo Muda, but we didn't want to repeat it. But it definitely is, I know it's one of your favorites on the album, right, Beto? Yeah, for sure. And I think that it adds to like the the diversity of musicality in this album, right? There's like some songs that sound like boleros or some mm-hmm. songs that sound like, you know, 90s grunge. There's mm-hmm. some songs that sound like uh, like that one has like mariachi horns, you know, like it's just really all over the place and also manages to be cohesive as an album despite that. Right, right. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. I think I'm drawn mostly to the songs that are actually more like the rock ballads, like the things with like a lot of drums. And I was kind of surprised listening mm-hmm. through because it's not like where I necessarily land now, but those are the songs, like the ones with, yeah. it's like her big voice paired with some of the like heavy drums. Yeah. Is, is the totally. songs that I like on this album. Yeah. Yeah. Those were, those were my, my jams when I was a kiddo. I mean, why don't we talk about when this came out in 1998, paint a picture for us. Were you listening to this in 1998? Um, you know, I'm not sure. I think I listened to this more. I think I got into Shakira more in college and that's like, I remember, um, 
some moments where I listened to the music, but I was, you know, in 1980, I was 14. I was really just like into very assimilationist, like American pop stuff, basically, um, when I was in high school. But my brother actually did tell me he remembers listening to it. So I wonder if maybe it was like in the ether, but I didn't have the album or anything. You know, I'm, in, I'm actually mm-hmm. like my first CD I probably bought around that time. And it was Alanis Morissette, Jagged Little Pill, which maybe came out a few years earlier. But interesting that she was like compared a lot to Alanis in like the critical reception of this album, which I think is like kind of an oversimplification, you know, just like two women with feelings right. or whatever. But what about you? Were you already in the U.S.? In 98? I was just recently in the United States. It had been like maybe three years and I was definitely listening to this. Right. You know, me and I I had a few uh, Latina friends. The high school that I went to was really white, but I did have, there were a few Latinos there and they, you know, there were like these couple of Latina girls that were good friends of mine and we Mm. listened to this album a lot. And Mm. then once the Unplugged came out, we listened to Mm -hmm. that one a lot and um, and this was just like my fucking jam, you know? Yep. Yeah. It was my shit. It really, it inspired me to do a lot of things, which we will talk about, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. um, throughout the course of this episode, some of which are embarrassing. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I look forward to you talking about those things. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I could see, especially being like a recent immigrant, like how this would be, could be really powerful to have that connection, you know, yeah. and to have some music that was also popular here, you know, it wasn't just... Like it did pretty well. It took a little bit of time. But yeah, it did I mean, well. this album wasn't super popular in the United States outside of Spanish-speaking communities. Yeah. I don't think. Um, but right. then her her next one was. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was her. It was her second like big commercial success, and it did win a Grammy. I mean, it was a Grammy for Latin rock, you know. So it was right, like, right. So, but it was. It was. It was, it was big all around the world, but it wasn't like yeah. on the radio. No, no it wasn't no. like well, yeah. nobody. No. None of the white girls in Minnesota were listening right. to this, or Which knew who she was, or gave a shit. Really happened until she started doing English language stuff, right? Right, yeah. right. Until yeah. she like got blonde hair and got skinny and you know all that shit yeah (laughs) so the the next song is actually the next song on the album and we're bringing them in order but they're not all like one back to back but this is actually the next one which i think is interesting because it's such a big transition like feelings wise from Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. this one so why don't we take a listen it's called moscas en la casa Sin ti son tan oscuros, tan largos, tan grises Mis días sin ti, mis días sin ti son tan absurdos Tan agrios, tan duros, mis días sin ti Mis días sin ti no tienen noches Si alguna pareces inútil dormir Mis días sin ti son un derroche Las horas no tienen principio ni fin Tan faltos de aire So this is one of the sad, like broken-hearted mm-hmm. Chucky mm-hmm. songs, which I think, if we're being totally serious, is how she was feeling mm. <laughs> when this. It, you know, if I had to guess, yeah. I think she was sad and broken-hearted, that and she went through phases of like being angry and right. being like "fuck you," right, and remembering and, the love that she lost, and yeah, yeah, right. But I think she's just sad, right. probably. Yeah. Which also, I feel like also once she did. Um, her the the English language album she had a boo. Her boo was like that son of these Argentine politicos who were assholes and corrupt or whatever. But um, I just feel like her music is better when she's sad. It's really fun. I think that's I think that's not uncommon with musicians, which is part of why they like these folks tend to have really t- tortured. I think it's not you know it's not yeah. a coincidence that like, music often comes from people who are really sad or like who deal with like drug and alcohol. So, you know. I mean, it's true with, like, writers and poets, too, so, yeah. Yeah, well, this brokenhearted Chucky song was, like, so on point for me, really, at, um, not exactly at this point in my life, but, like, a few years later, um, after this album came out, like, this album had been in rotation for a while, and then I was listening, like I said, to The Unplugged, which came out after, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, 
I uh, like a few year, a couple of years after this album came out, I was still listening to it, and there was just this boy that I was like in love with, but he was in Venezuela, and I was really depressed, mm. and you know, I just like had an eating disorder. And it was just a mess, but mm. <laughs> I was really mm. sad. <laughs> and and this puberty was, like, too. A right? Big, a big, yeah, exactly. Just like all of it was happening at once, and I was really sad and depressed, and. This song was like all of my sad feels that I had, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. This is a point in my life where I could have ended up being on Team Feelings, you know. Yeah, it sounds like you were. But, I mean, I definitely was on Team Feelings, but I think instead, you know, I feel like what the path that I went down is that global economic violence prevented me from being with my boyfriend at 17 and I became bitter and gay instead. <laughs> so you're saying if you'd stayed in Venezuela, you wouldn't be bitter or gay? No, no. I think that's very unlikely. No, I don't think, I don't think that's likely. I think I'd be probably both bitter and yeah, gay, but I it's a lull's way to tell the story. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> it is. I do feel like teenage us would have gotten along pretty well. I mean, I guess it makes sense. We get along as adults we would get along as teenagers but i do have like a little bit of longing to like see that video because you're yeah so like you know unbothered most of the time yeah yeah totally. and i'm like so bothered all of the time so. <laughs> um but yeah i really like yeah, this I mean, one i like that it has like the like the bongos it sounds to me it sounds like a bolero we were discussing right, we're like right. Wait, what makes a bolero yeah. what's the anatomy of bolero and you know we're not Right. You know, there's no definitive that we can that we can say, but to me yeah. that's what it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully we'll come back to it and we'll do a deeper dive into Bolitos and talk figure out more about exactly what makes I mean, sometimes these genres are also not that well defined, right? Um, but but yeah, this has definitely got the the emotion of a bolero in terms of sad and heartbroken and you know, it's maybe not a cortavena, but it like could be. It's like on the border, you know. She's like it's it's less a yeah, little it's, bit less desperation. Yeah, them, it's think, right. It's right on the edge for sad. sure. It's right on, right on the edge. Yeah. So another thing I learned when I was researching her, she started her her um, her first album came out when she was thirteen. Yeah, that? she was a baby. That's it's funny because people think that Pies Descalzos was her first album, and it was just her first commercial success. She'd had a couple right, of flops had, before then. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. This was amazing that she was so young, um, and she started writing poetry when she was like four. I'm just like these, you know, genius people who are just creative, clearly like on this earth in some way to be creative and to, to have these outlets. So it's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. And that she's had, but she's also had like longevity in her career. I mean, once we'll talk a little bit about like what she's doing these days toward the end of the episode, but, um, and I feel like I don't know that much about her sort of well being, but you know, there's not a lot out there about like her being messy or like having drug or alcohol problems or whatever. So I'm like, seems like she's been able to have a, like a lifelong career um and and be pretty well you know despite being like a teen a child basically a, a child, child star I mean, yeah so young. totally i feel like a lot of time that does not go well for people you know yeah i mean pss Gossos came out when she was 17 this like how old right. was she when this came out like 20 like she was young right right yeah she's young yeah and yeah she was raised in um barranquilla so that's where she got her start with with mm -hmm. music yeah so, um, should we move on to the next Yeah, let's one? go for it. The next song is um, definitely one of my favorites mm. uh, in on this album. This one's called No Creo.
comes right after. So these three are all in a row in the album. They're like the top it's of like the album. It's like this whole narrative mm -hmm. arc, yeah. And like, again, an another kind of dramatic shift in terms of the vibe and feelings of this one from Moscas and La Casa. But I do think you're right that it's like, that's how breakups are, you know? You go through so many different emotions and feelings in the period of, of mourning it, you know? So this is another Yeah, one. totally. She's like, I'm super fucking angry at you. Mm -hmm. Fuck you. Go with that ugly bitch that you want to go with instead. And then she's like, I'm actually really sad. This yeah. is really depressing. Right. And like <laughs> and there's something she's like, so the only thing yeah. I believe in is our love. Right. Right. It's a lot. It's a lot. Wow, and if she was like really in her early 20s or whatever, you know, teenager when she wrote this. I and but I think that this is um this is a really fab song in the sense that it's um she's she's really like going through all of these all of these beliefs that she has. Still a little sad every time she tells me she's not a Marxist even though, you know, I forgive her because she grew up in the era of the FARC. And also, I probably wouldn't call myself a Marxist, but, you know, labor organizing is cool. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's just a metaphor. It's like, I don't believe in anything but love, basically, is what she's saying. Right, right. <laughs> Which she's is not like, really your The only thing she believes either. in is this dude's mirada azul. Right, yep, yep. <laughs> so he's not the only person she rejects, right? There's a bunch of like big name people name that she names no, and rejects. No. Yeah, I, I appreciate like the anger in the song, um, and I also appreciate the like video because it's such a '90s throwback. I highly recommend watching the videos from this album. Yeah, and I think what she's doing also here by like name dropping like Jean-Paul Sartre, you know, is, like and all these and Marx and all these people is that she's like positioning herself as somebody who like is like a reader and a knower mm. of things and like mm. a thinker, right? right? Like she's, I think that that's one of the things like I'd never heard of Karl Marx before I heard this song, mm. you know, like right. legit Shakira introduced me to that, wow. <laughs> you know, like that's I'd never impressive. heard of any of these philosophers before, yeah. before she mentioned them. Right? right. And I think that like it brought me curiosity about like, who are these people? What are these people's philosophies? And like, mm -hmm. Who, who is she talking about? And I think that that's one of the things that I really, um, that I really could see in her when I was a kid is that, you know, like I, she was like, wow, this woman is smart and like thinking about things and, right. um, and you know, like made that shit look cool, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. And you can't just dismiss her as like, just like a pop artist or something that, that there's depth to her writing and her her music right right which and, no shade to pop artists of course yeah but but yeah but she wasn't that's not what she was here for she was here as a songwriter as a thinker as a poet and as right. a person who knew shit right i really like the harmonica in this song as well oh yeah yeah harmonica is not very common in latinx music right you know, I think of harmonica as a lot like in blues music, right? right? Yeah. And then mm -hmm. like because of its relationship to like it to the American blues, then South, like right. starting to find itself within like uh, folk and Americana, right? Right. right. Yeah, um, so it's kind of like American. And South, I know, yeah. yeah, I know that she was a fan of Bob Dylan, and okay. she like would listen to a lot of Bob Dylan to like listen to to learn English, right? Okay. Um, which was after this album, right? Yeah. When she was doing laundry service, she was listening to the, a lot of Bob Dylan. Um, and I think a lot of those, you know, like white male folk singers borrowed a lot from like classic blues and and American, uh, the, the folk music of the American South. Okay. So yeah, that's what I think of it as. But I, I mean, maybe, maybe there is a genre in Latin America where there's a lot of harmonica that I'm not thinking yeah. of right now. Yeah. But yeah, it's not generally something that that I associate with Latino music at all, you know, yeah. but this is like, it was very like rock folk yeah. and yeah. that I do associate the, mm -hmm. um, the, the harmonica with in some ways. Yeah, for sure. All right. Speaking of rock, mm -hmm. let's get to the next track. I think that this is maybe both of our favorite oh, songs. Okay, cool. That's fun. On this album. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This one is called Inevitable. Right, 
Nunca duermo antes de diez Ni me baño los domingos La verdad es que también Lloro una vez al mes Sobre todo cuando hay frío Conmigo nada es fácil Ya debes saber Me conoces bien El cielo está cansado ya of like who like classic rockera Chucky like I think of Shakira in the Inevitable video mm-hmm. right like this song I feel like really encapsulates for me everything that she is at this point in her career right she's like a poet she's a songwriter she's vulnerable she's in pain but she's also really strong mm-hmm. so knowing that Shakira was a songwriter made me really want to learn how to play the guitar mm. so uh, like i a couple of years later i got a guitar oh, wow. for my birthday and this was the very first song that i learned how to play because i was mm. like this is like what i'm trying this is what i'm trying to do you know like yeah. i'm trying to like learn how to play these chiquita songs yeah so it just like it felt it just like this song like really encapsulates this moment for me mm. but it's sweet that she inspired you to to want to learn guitar yeah yeah I mean, the other thing that I feel like was inspiring about her at the time was this look yeah. in this music video. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. This is like, this is the look, right, yes. for me, of like all the Chiquita looks. It's like her hair is dark, it's crimped, it's braided, it's messy, and it's really hot and long. And uh, like she's wearing like all this black leather and the chunky heeled boots and one of those sweaters from the 90s that was like mm-hmm. just the sleeves, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so practical. Loved those. <laughs> Never had one. No, no. <laughs> but really wanted one. And she's got this like dark eyeliner. I feel like she looks like a goth icon. Yeah. In uh, in this music video. And I'm here for it. Were you a little bit goth? <clears throat> I sort of wanted to be goth, but I was too much of a good girl to, uh. I did, I, I really did want to be goth. I like, I, like, I loved also like the matrix would come out a few years later and I like loved that movie and loved all of those looks. Like people were like in like latex and leather and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I fucking loved all that shit. But I think that I was, I knew it would freak my parents out a lot. And I don't know, my strategy growing up was to like do literally whatever they said and and then bounce as fast as I could and that's like that was how I dealt with like a really sort of like strict upbringing Mm. my little sisters really rebelled but Mm. I was like I'm gonna do whatever you say and then leave but like they rebelled but they stayed right like they didn't go they didn't leave home for much longer than I did got it got it yeah but so I felt like it was gonna like freak out my parents too much and I was like I was very non-confrontational with them. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to do whatever you say. Mm-hmm. Because uh, once I leave, I can do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> it's a strategy you know, for sure. It feel worth yeah. it to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is definitely my favorite song on this album. I think, like I was saying before, just the combination of her voice with the like pretty stripped down rock music. Just like a pretty simple guitar and drum beat in the song. I really... I like that combination a lot. Um, and I, I think the the lyrics are interesting. Like she's talking about, I mean, in some ways she's sort of like, you know, conmigo nada es fácil. Like I'm a lot, right? Like being with me is not easy. Um, mm-hmm. And you know me really well. And like, you know that about me. And without you, like things would be really sad. And I think there's something, I don't know, something in there that's pretty deep about this, this real like feeling of being rejected by someone who knows you kind of better than anyone else knows you and knows you like, all sides of you, right? Like the the good and the bad. And then feeling like yeah. the loss of that, that the rejection of somebody walking away from you with that amount of like understanding who you are. And I think that's a lot of the, the s- sadness of this song, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. And also, and still just like feeling like it's all falling apart and it's not easy. And also 
it's it's it still feels inevitable that they're right. made for each other, mm. right? Like that's like so that's it's like a rough feeling. Yeah, you know? that would be really hard. It's yeah, a, <laughs> it's a rough feeling. Like it's just like you are definitely the person for me, and also it's all falling apart. <laughs> you right. know, right? Yeah. Oof, I know. And also, to be honest, it is such a like young feeling, right? Because I think that like this is probably like her first huge heartbreak, right? Or like one of the first huge right. heartbreaks. And it's like, I think that at least, I mean, I don't want to say that like people can't experience really intense heartbreaks like later on in life because you absolutely can and you do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that at least for me, my first big heartbreak was like so deeply all encompassing. I could not possibly imagine ever getting through, you know, Mm. in a way that, you know, like once you've been through a couple, you're like, this really sucks. And like, I've been through this before and I've felt bad before and I'm going to not feel bad one day again, you know, like, well, I don't know if she started writing poetry at four, like who knows what she was feeling as a kid, you know, I just feel like there's a an emotional maturity, not that she was in a relationship at four, but like she's, you know, putting out albums at 13, like who knows what she's yeah, going through. Poetry at four though. I no. mean, I mean, a pr- yes, sure. But like, what was she? <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's just know. like, it seems like a little bit like now that you're a big artist, you can start saying that you wrote poetry at four, but like, oh. que pollito chicken, gallina hang, like, what were you writing about? <laughs> All right, fine. But, but how about her album at 13? You know, like, that's a whole album of songs. Like, I think there's just something about yes. that kind of artistry and like being that kind of creative person where you're connecting to feelings sort of some big feelings that maybe you haven't even experienced, you know, but you're still like using that as like part of your totally. fodder or like this old soulness, you totally, know, that I feel like yeah. she's got to have to be able to put stuff like this out. Um, at yeah. Age, yeah. I will so. definitely agree yeah. with that for yeah. sure. I don't know. I don't think about the breakup piece. I think, I think everybody's different. I think, you know, depends on your, cause like the early breakups I had didn't feel like a, a huge deal to me. Interesting. So I think it just depends yeah. on the quality of the breakup and like, What's going on in your life? How much did you choose it? How much did you mm-hmm. and the person like beat the dead horse until you knew it was dead, you know, or did you end it before you really felt how much it couldn't work? You know, so I feel like there's just so many different. Right. And how much. Totally. How much investment did you have in something working? Totally. So, yeah. One thing I, I thought was interesting about reading about the production of this album is that she, um, it took nine months to produce, which is actually kind of a long time for an album. Um, and partly because like the way they talk about it, she was just super perfectionist about it and would record like three or four mm-hmm. demos for every song. So I think that also mm-hmm. just like demonstrates her commitment to the the artistry of it, right? And not wanting to put out anything that wasn't like the best it could be. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Should we talk about the cover of this album? Yes. Yes. And the story of the I, title too. Yes. The, the title, the story of the title is, is amazing, right? <laughs> it's, it's wild. It's about, you know, she had all of these songs written, right? And she like had them in a briefcase somehow. Like, how are you going to mm-hmm. have every single song that you wrote in a briefcase? Maybe well, it's it was in her like, luggage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is before the internet. Like, this is before computers. Yeah. Like, in the, it was like in, in a way. notebook. And like, and somebody stole, stole the, like, this briefcase or this luggage. And yeah. she lost all of the work that she'd all, done. All the lyrics. And it yeah. was, yeah. Can oh. you imagine that? I would be so traumatized. I can't even. I've lost, like, a journal or two along the way. And that's been really traumatic. And I'm not. I wasn't going to do anything with that writing, <laughs> you know, it was just traumatic to like, yeah. I lost it. I, uh, yeah. <clears throat> and so, yeah, she never got it back. I don't journal. So I don't know about that. And like my poetry that I wrote when I was 17 and depressed, I definitely like threw it away because I didn't want anybody to ever find it. <laughs> but, but I do feel like losing something on word that you didn't save or something mm. is like, <laughs> like the worst and, so <laughs> and I can't imagine being like yeah. a whole project right yeah. like a whole project right. like an album right and so yeah I mean the story goes that we that we read is that on, on Wikipedia um is that you know she spent a few days after it happened and just like obsessed absolutely obsessed with like who the people were that stole her luggage and um what were they looking for and you know where are they and all this stuff about um about the thieves, which is why the the title of the album, Don the Sunless Southern, is like, where are the thieves? 
But then it sounds like she kind of came to like a deeper conclusion about it. It was like trying to make meaning out of this thing that had happened, which is really just like a horrible coincidence, essentially, that that was so valuable to her. Um, And then so then she started to think about like the idea of like ladrones in a broader context and the different types of there are and the people who steal things, but also feelings. So I guess that connects to this idea of breakups and um, and then. Yeah. And then the, the cover is really about corruption, um, which is obviously a huge theme in a lot of government contexts, but especially in Colombia. Um, and so that's why she's got like kind of dirt on her hands on the front of the album is because that's supposed to symbolize like political corruption. So she yeah. took something very yeah. like and personal think... and made it much more universal and political, I think. Right, right. And I think that that is a really good segue to the next song, which I feel Mm. like is a little bit about sort of, you know, hypocrisy and and the ways that that people um, position themselves versus the way that they um, act. So um, I think that like the dirty hands and, Mm -hmm. you know, the the, the political context of that really sort of speaks well to this next song. Um, It's called Octavo Dia. Para liberar tensiones luego ya de revisar Dijo todo está muy bien, es hora de descansar Y se fue a dar un paseo por el espacio sideral ¿Quién se iba a imaginar que el mismo Dios al regresar Iba a encontrarlo todo en un desorden infernal Y que se iba a convertir en un desempleado más De la tasa que anualmente está creciendo sin parar Desde ese entonces hay quienes lo han visto Solo en las calles transitar Ando esperando paciente por alguien Con quien al menos tranquilo Yeah, I did. Um, I just thought it was interesting, like, to listen to the lyrics more closely, that it's about really, mm-hmm. like, God kind of showing up on the eighth day, right, after he's created the world and then being really disappointed by what he finds, <laughs> which I think connects to this idea of <laughs> corruption and, um, you know, yeah. dirty hands. And also, I think her hands being dirty implies that we're all part of it, right? Like, it's not... She's not um, She's not saying that they're dirty or they're corrupt, but it's actually this is like uh, something that we're all participating in to some degree or another, right? Like all of our hands are dirty. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's like God comes back and is like, everything's a mess. And then he decides like to not be a God anymore. <laughs> it's sort of like, it's pretty depressing yeah. to think about it. Um, it's, it's very, um, yeah, it's very cynical as a song. Yeah. I mean, it, I think it's funny because Whenever I hear this song, I feel like it's like the Chuckita version of that mm-hmm. song by Joan Osborne, What If God Was One Of Us. Mm-hmm. It's like a really conceptually similar yeah. song, right. you know? <laughs> and I was totally. like, that song came out like a few years before, and I was like, what is this girl? But aside from that, I feel like she's like really, again, like positioning herself as this like philosopher who's like this thinker, right? And mm-hmm. what kind of like Latina woman isn't going to philosophize about the hypocrisies of like Catholics, right? And of like like the ways that religion is used specifically, I think, like by like the political right wing and like even like, like everybody in politics. Yeah. yeah, everybody in politics really like positions themselves in like in some in Latin American countries where like the vast majority of people are Catholic and this is changing now. Evangelical Christianity is really on the rise. Yeah, yeah. in Latin America. But I think that this is, it was a way to think of, to talk about the ways that people are hypocrites. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure based on this song, like, where I would say she lands 
in terms of the religiosity piece. I don't, it doesn't feel no, like she's. No, I don't think it's clear. Buying into it or anything. I think it's really more of a commentary on like what things are like now and how the disappointments, I think, of, of how, how much a mess things are, do you know? Yeah. And like this idea yeah. of, of somebody looking down and being like, wow, what, what, look how fucked up this got, you know? And then also yeah. maybe there's some humility in saying, well, then I'm, I'm going to like take myself down off this pedestal. I don't know how philosophical we want to yeah. get about her metaphor. But the other reason I, um, I picked the song was because I really like the, the sort of d the distinction between the chorus and the rest of it, like the way the instrumentation mm. kind of becomes more intense mm -hmm. and the percussion. And I just really like, um, I just gave it a, a quality that felt different than some of the other songs. So that was one of the yeah. reasons I picked it. Too. Yeah. So the last song we're bringing from this album is called Ojos Así. Let's take a listen. Actually, the last song on the album. Yeah, this is the. the this is the last song on the mm -hmm. album. Okay, so we are now <laughs> on to embarrassing confession right. number two, which Shakira if long-related long-time listeners confession number two have heard this before, <laughs> but they, the, I think maybe you talked yeah. about like on the pilot, so only the OG listeners yeah, will remember the story. I don't know. <laughs> so, um, so this song, this song I really like. This is where Shaki wanted to play homage to her Lebanese heritage, mm -hmm. right? Um, and um, there's lots of Lebanese immigrants in Latin America, or at least in Colombia and in Venezuela too. There's a lot of um, of Lebanese immigrants. And so she, um, in this in this song, she brings, um, you know, like a Middle Eastern sound and she's belly dancing in the music mm -hmm. video. And it's, belly dancing was, became, came one of the, to be one of these things that she was really known for because it was just part of her like cultural upbringing um, as a thing that she would do um, at growing up and that she was incorporated into her performances. And this song, um, this song and this video, like was like one one place where she um, really began to like show that off really purposefully. Yeah. And um, and so my embarrassing confession is that this song inspired me to learn how to belly dance, and I was really fucking serious about it up until like I learned about cultural appropriation, which mm -hmm. was a few years later. And I was like, oh, this is awkward. So yep. I stopped. Right. But I do blame Shakira in this song in particular. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that you. Ooh, Shakira was Lebanese, you yeah. know? So yeah, she's, she's, she has full right to do this. Right. But I yeah. was like, oh, I didn't know. I didn't think about this at all. Well, and that's the story that gets told about why she started wanting to be a performer when she was like a three year old or whatever, when she was really young, was mm. because she was like in. Um, I don't know if it's like her father or some I don't know some sort of like Middle Eastern like restaurants growing up and like saw people performing and doing belly dancing and she got really interested excited and wanted to do it so it's also part yeah. of like her like performance route um, but yeah, yeah it's hard yeah. to picture you belly dancing but <laughs> so there there you know there exists some video somewhere sure. and I do not have it I do not have it I wish I did right, right. I wish I did because 
it's I don't know if I would like post it for y'all or destroy it. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do think Shakira has helped elevate the visibility of like Middle Eastern Latinos, right? Like the people that there are like these significant immigrations of people from the Middle East to the to Latin yeah. America, and that yeah. that exists, like because you know she's such a prominent figure, and people generally do know that about her. And so yeah, I think it's helped. I think it's really cool that she sings in Arabic. Yeah, in the song. In the song. I know, I know. But yeah, this I mean this song got lots of critical mentions when this album came out because of the fusion that it represents and the ways that it brings in these like Middle Eastern sounds and obviously the language as well. Um, and it does, I think it continues to show off just her range, right? And how different, there's so many different things that she's shows off on this album. I think that's like one of the things that makes it an album really good and an artist really good is that they can really flex different things and, and show different elements of their musical approach, you know? Yeah, you know, it's interesting that I'm starting to think about this album and our last album, Deep Dive, which right. was the Bad Bunny, Por mm -hmm. Siempre. Mm -hmm. And um, these are both albums in which musically they're doing so many different right. things, right? We're going from sad to angry to happy. We're going mm -hmm. from, you know, it's like an emotional roller coaster. We're going from like mariachi horns to mm -hmm. like bolero bongos to... Yeah. Middle Eastern, like, <laughs> and yep. and I think that it's it still works as an album. It works as a narrative arc. It works yep. as um, a story that they're telling about themselves or a moment about their lives. And I think that that's really cool, right? To uh, what makes an album, I think, feel really epic as a, a work in and of itself, and not just a collection of songs, is is like an ability to do that, right? To like be able to be really creative and varied with it and still manage to make it cohesive. Yep. So what about, what do you think about Shaki now? Like, how do you feel about some of her more recent hits? I mean, she's definitely still a huge deal and is making a lot of music yeah. and collaborating with people all over the place um, and does stuff in English and in Spanish and has a lot of range. But are you still following her? Is she still a fave of yours? Um, I would have to say no. She was, I feel like, such a huge deal to me when this album came out and then, like, when Laundry Service came out, her first English language album, or actually dual language album, right, because she recorded those songs in Spanish as well. She was probably one of my favorite artists ever, and I followed her. I, I saw her on tour there because it was, like, maybe her first headlining tour Mm. big arena tour in uh, the United States. Mm -hmm. But I think that like as time went on, I felt less excited about what she was doing. But, you know, there's been songs here and there post crossover that I think are really, are really great. Right. Like hips don't lie is a fucking classic. Yeah. I love that song. It, there's a weird racist line in it, but mm. it's otherwise very good. Yeah. And it was like um, a huge, huge hit. Like definitely and it was like a huge record. Hit. I also, hit. yeah, I also appreciate the like political solidarity that uh, she makes with Wyclef, like about the CIA <laughs> fucking with their governments. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I appreciate that. Um, another song that I really love um, that came it's in Spanish, but is one of her sort of post crossover tracks. Um, is that song La Tortura? Yeah. Uh, with Alejandro Sanz. So good. Yeah. You really like that Bicicleta song, which I was actually surprised that you liked because I didn't really like it, the Carlos Vives song. Yeah. You brought it to the episode at one point. And I was surprised. It just didn't strike me did as something I? you'd be into. I think you did or you, you considered it if you didn't. But I remember us talking I about it. I like it. I think that the reason that I like it is because I love urban planning. Right. And, and you used to ride your bicycle everywhere. <laughs> well, yes, there's that. And I love bicycles, but also... Um, this song is an ode to bicycles in, in like, and they're both Carlos Vives and, and Shakira are both Colombian and it's an ode to bicycles. And I think that's something to know about that is that, um, the mayor of Bogota began this like really revolutionary and never done before, um, initiative that actually has been picked up in cities all around the world, including New York of like closing off streets to cars one, right. day, one day a week so that people can, to make them pedestrian and bicycle thoroughfares. So mm. he would close off all these highways and they have these initiatives like here in New York, right? There's like, you know, there's, there's days where they close off like 
you know, all of like Fifth Avenue or something, you know, and that's after like an initiative, an urban planning initiative that was, that happened in Colombia, right? Mm -hmm. In Bogota. Um, And it was, it really made a, a really big difference in the way that people, you know, wanted to be on bicycles and wanted to like access the city and the way people thought about their access to the city. And so I, I don't know. I just love urban planning. I think it's so interesting to think about how the world is built and how that means that we can access different things and mm-hmm. and not access different things. That mm-hmm. that's that stuff is very interesting to me. So I think that that's really part of it. Is that the like subject the matter right. is is like my is is dear to me. So I'm Got like it. cute. Got a it. song about bicycles <laughs> and urban planning. Got it. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, she's, you know, she's had a ton of albums since this one came out in 98. And, you know, I think it does not seem like her career has any signs of stopping. Like she's really still, I think, in the height of it and has done so many different crossovers and did that World Cup song, which is like, wah, as a song. But um, I think it's really tragic, actually. Yeah, I'm not. It's just, I feel like the World Cup songs tend to be kind of tragic. I just feel like having to make a song for something like that just doesn't, I don't know. I never. Yeah. I never let my jam. I can see that. But she did meet her current boo <laughs> through that video. Oh, who's a football yeah. player. Who's a Spaniard. soccer player. Yeah. Spaniard. He's a soccer player. Um, so, you know, I'm glad that Chucky's in love. <laughs> Hope Do it's going well. Do you have recent well. Chuckita tracks that you like? You know, I was looking through all these um, and like, they're all like fine. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that song, that song. But none of them are like, get top play for me that she did one with Nikki yeah. jam that I hadn't even come across until I was looking at this that I actually liked, but that's cause I like Nikki jam, you know? So I feel like <laughs> yeah, it's not really like Shakira, you know, necessarily, but I'm more just like, Oh, I'm like there, you know? So no, I, she's, <laughs> she's not somebody that I follow either or like feel super um, pressed about, but I'm like, I'm happy that she's doing her thing. And like, I think she's still contributing, but yeah, there's, there's for sure like a nostalgia to her. Yeah, um, yeah. And I mean, I think that no one can take away what she did. Los Santos Ladrones is a fucking epic classic album. I think yep. that it really um it really set her up to be who she is today and right. and it's a fucking work of art. Yeah. No, it's incredible. Well, thanks y'all for going along in this album deep dive. We hope you enjoyed it. Um I would love to hear from you all if you have suggestions for albums you'd love us to hear us kind of go deep on. If there's albums that are for you, like iconic Latinx albums, either more recent or more past, we're going to continue to do these. And we have some ideas of things we want to talk about, but I would love to know if y'all have thoughts. So feel free to hit up, hit us up on social or on, at radimene at gmail.com with any of your... Yeah, definitely. Your faves. Um yeah absolutely and let us know what Shakira song off of this album is your favorite yeah that'd be that'd be great too as always all of the songs and information that we mentioned here today is going to be on the show notes um, we might link a few articles about uh, this album that um, could help you contextualize it a little bit that we use to do some of the research for this if you are interested in going a little deeper and I wanted to remind you all um, like we said at the top of the episode we're looking for listener picks what songs are you into right now they don't have to be new they can be a throwback if you're if you're feeling that right now um, let us know send us a voice memo we'd love to hear it and include it in our upcoming listener picks episode and if you're not following us on social media, make sure you are. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Radhi Manea. Um, and yeah, we're, become, we're now officially coming to you weekly with a full episode. So check us out every Friday um, and make sure you are up on our latest episode. Thank you for listening, y'all. Hasta la próxima.